Lionel Productions. Praxis Pedagogy exists to position our teaching and learning practice within different methodologies. We want to construct a guild of educators dedicated to designing a difference in our own teaching and learning and in our students' experience. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast, episode 71. It's been a minute or two since we've last uh, sat down and had a chat together, isn't it? It's been a while. Hope you had a great break over the summer. Well deserved. And I am super excited to start this new season, this fall term. Buckle up, baby, because here we go. Edward Logan is here to join us to talk about all things new coming up in this fall term. He is a plumbing professor from Durham College in Ontario, Canada. Sit back, relax, grab your coffee. See you on the other side. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. So glad you've tuned in to this episode. We have the Edward Logan uh, from Durham College all the way out in Ontario. Thanks, Edward, for being on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. No problem. No problem. I always find for you. Find some time for you, Tim. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, Ed, for those who may not know who you are, uh, give us a little intro bio on who you are and what you do. Well, I'm... Uh... Currently, I'm a full-time professor, unless something changes, at Durham College here out in Whitby. Uh, I teach uh, in the skill trade. More specifically, I teach our our plumbing students. So I teach our, I teach, I dabble a little bit of everything. I dabble a little bit in apprenticeship, as well as what they call, we call post-secondary, almost like a, almost like a pre-apprenticeship type thing. And I teach a variety of subjects to all of them, between the math to the code and whatnot. Um, I'm also a licensed uh, plumber with a red seal endorsement. And uh, on the side, I I dabble in a little bit of fun, doing a little podcast myself called Trades Educator Podcast. And I just recently started a new thing, talking about skilled trades, trying to get back to the skilled trades, uh, live kind of version of the podcast, uh, focusing on skilled trades and just trying to educate people. Because I find that, I don't know about yourself, Tim, a lot of people who are in the skilled trades, uh, or sorry, no, who are not in the skilled trades, don't always know about the other options besides college and university and what's involved in the skill trade. So I'm trying to give a little bit back, trying to explain that, what's going, how these trades work and how to get educated and whatnot. Yeah, that's always an interesting conversation, right? That when I talk to people about trades and, and what it's done for me and my family and my life and, you know, trajectory of career, they're, they're often surprised at, uh, first of all, that, that you know, that someone is, is a ticketed tradesperson because it's almost like we're this, we're this secret, breed of people that, you know, build things and really aren't seen that much. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, they, they always have these questions. So like, why'd you pick trades? Why'd you go into trades? And so it's always an interesting conversation, right? When you see the the lights go on and they go, Oh, you mean there really is reward and, and there is satisfaction in, in being a trades person. Yeah. And I, I think I always joke with people. I say, what do you think you know, all these jobs, we just all drop from the sky one day and, you know, okay. All the, all the people who, all, all the people who weren't bright enough and, and are back in our back when we were in school, they all just kind of drop from the sky and they will be all become, you know, plumbers, electricians, whatever it may be. Right. And uh, they're kind of like, I think, I think people are, are surprised what it takes to become, you know, licensed in whatever particular trade you're in. I think when you, when I have those conversations, I don't know about yourself, but at when I'm at the college here and I'm having open house and I kind of explain about our program, but I also explain how, how this whole, how this all works. Right. 
Um, other schooling, you, you know, let's say you want to be an HR, you know, be an HR, you go to school for HR, you could be a university or college, you know, and you learn all about HR. And then now you have the experience, you go and apply for jobs. I said, I said, that's basically what we're kind of, we're kind of doing, but we do it hand in hand in the field. I probably, you know, we do have to learn how to do this just like everybody else has to learn whatever, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse, I always compare doctors and nurses kind of like the similar to us, right? They have that hands-on component. They do go in the field and have their interns, I guess they call it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a nicer word that they have. I don't know. Apprenticeship or. Yeah. I think they call nicer. it a proctor proctorship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, perceptorship. That's what it is. Cause my wife's a nurse and, and people are often surprised too to know that nursing and uh, whether it's registered nursing or licensed practical nursing are considered vocational education. And uh, because it's, it, it's been somewhat elevated as a hybrid from vocation between that vocation uh, building that people really now are a little scared to go into uh, versus the academic building where, you know, all the math and physics and science takes place. Yeah. And so, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So what, what do you think is the most common question that people have for you when you talk to them about trades and the trades background? Um, I think they're, they're interested in what you, what you have to learn, like what you have to know. Um, and if not, sometimes I try to emphasize that, like, uh, um, whether it be they're coming through a post-secondary program or, you know, and eventually trying to get into apprenticeship, I say, you know, I try to let them know, especially with this plumbing as they, well, you know, you know, there is math involved. Right. And then, you know, I try to explain the math and I said, some of this math you've already learned before in the years prior. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's more practical. You're using an application, but I think people are also just, I think they want to know how long it takes to go from zero to like knowing what you have to know and be licensed. And they kind of also want, they also kind of want to have a feel for, I don't think they always do. That's why I think they ask is like, you know, what can you do with this license? What, you know, how much money can I make? And, uh, and I think, uh, Sometimes they do ask me, where, 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 where can this take me? Where can this take me? And I'm like, well, it's more than just the license. You can, you know, you could be a person who specializes in something. Uh, there's lots of plumbing companies who specialize in service or new construction, or you could be in residential type of construction. You could be in the industrial construction. Or like I said, I have a friend of mine who uh, has their license, but they, uh, they uh, specialize on backflow devices. And that's a device we use in, in plumbing. And they can get, you can get a special certification for that. And, the, and that's what that person does for a living. They go around to uh, major facilities that have multiple of these devices and they test them every year. Like they're supposed to test them. And then, then they, they fix them. So um, I think they're just kind of interested what it takes overall, what to, what it takes. Um, Cause I definitely get a lot of people coming in. I say, it's, I mean, it's not their fault. Like I, like I said, my, with my experience, I, um, I had certain experience in my, in my household where, um, my dad sort of had an apprenticeship, my, and my, but my mother didn't have any, like, there was no college university per se. So, and I know sometimes there are students coming to my open houses where their parents have, haven't had the apprenticeship background, right? So sometimes the parents comes with them, right? Be, even to try and help them up because as we know in pathways, uh, kind of when we're that age at 17 or 18, trying to decide we're going to college university, what are we going to do for the rest of our lives, which is pretty scary. Our kind of major influence is usually our, our parents or our guardians, people that that take care of us, right? We are, our friends are kind of in the same boat. So we don't really depend on them too much because they're trying to decide too. Right. Or maybe it's a teacher that's at a school or a guidance counselor or something like that. Right. So I think they're, they're always interested to see where it's going to take you and what it, what it takes to get to that point. Right. So. 
Is it is it similar out in Ontario or in BC where there seems to be a, a gap in understanding of the pathway to trades from high school? Yeah, I think because I just I, I find that people just don't know what a, even what apprenticeship is like what it what it all involves. Like I'm trying, I, it's almost like I have to kind of take a step back, and that's kind of like where with the that little series I just started the other day, I did my second one today, where I talk about trades is that. Uh, even my own, my own, my oldest son right now, he's in high school and he's getting close to the later grades, right. Where they have to decide. And I even saw there that uh, they would give him like a presentation for him as well as for your parents or your guardians to help you to navigate your, your subject picking for grade 11, 12, right. To get you on the right, path, right pathway with taking the right subjects. And when they went through it, it was here's university came up first on the slide. And then it's, you know, describing, about university and there's all these links and resources they think can go to, to, you know, so if you weren't, you didn't have somebody who was in university in your family, there's a lot of information there that could really help you out and say, okay, I can understand what, what's involved here. These are my options. These are the school options. These are the programs I can get in. These are the careers they can lead to. And then the next slide in the, in the show was uh, here's the college, right? Again, full of resources, links, all this stuff to go to. And I thought, look, they got all this stuff there. And I was, I was getting really excited. Um, even though I knew that trades was going to probably like it was coming third, <laughs> which was, uh, which it was, it came third. Right. So I still had that. Maybe I have a little bit of a, uh, maybe a little sensitive when it comes to trade. So I, I saw that as like third place consolation. We're going to bring it last, but, it, but it, in a way it does perceive people when you see it, that this comes up first, this comes up second, this comes up third, that, uh, subconsciously it's making you think that it's third. Right. Anyways, but when I went to that, that slide, I'm like, okay, I'm interested to see what's there because, uh, as part of one of my, uh, my programs, I teach early on and the plumbing program we talk about in post-secondary is, uh, about the, how the whole apprenticeship works. That's kind of the first module we go through. I, I explain how it works in Ontario. You know, there's a different grants that you can get along the way. This is the, how many times you have to go to school, how many hours, you know, kind of getting the whole, how the whole pathway works. And, uh, and when I went to that slide, there was, there was hardly anything on it like hardly oh, any really? links or resources. And I was like, these days there's so many links and resources to so many different w- websites, whether it be a ministry website and material. We also still have a independent uh, college of trades, which has a tons of resources on it, links on it. Like you can go in there and see the 132 trades there are considered tr- skilled trades in Ontario and click on them. And they have little brochures that tell you, is it an apprenticeship? How many hours you have, you know, it explains all this kind of in small detail, but it gives you a good snapshot. Right. And I was like, where is all this stuff? Like I was like, and again, maybe it's just me beating the drums, like for trades. I was like, come on, like here it is third and here it is. It doesn't have any good resources. So, um, like, I mean, I know my, I think I know my oldest son. That's probably not his pathway anyways, based on what I know about him. And, but still, I think it's fair that, you know what, you should have, have all the detail about all your options fully get all the resources you need, all the information. And then that way you can make it. I mean, at 17, I still think it's a hard time to make a decision what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, totally. I, and I tell my students, I say, look at, I've uh, like, I wasn't, I wasn't in plumbing at first, right? This is, this is probably my third career, I think, or maybe actually fourth career that I throw, throw in teaching. Right. And I'm like, so your pathway will wind. You're not going to go from school or whatever you're doing right into the dream job. And that's it. That's not going to, like, it's not going to happen. That might be, might happen for somebody, but very rare that's going to happen. So, yeah. So that's kind of, that's what's kind of upset me lately, but, and, uh, but I think there's, I think there's still like, I don't know, like I'm sure in BC, there's a lot of stuff that they throw a lot of funding promoting it with the government. Right. And, and, and there's a lot, there's a lot of people who are uh, trades advocates who are not in the trades, which is great. It's good to have allies, I believe, 
Um, but I think we, I think there still needs to be more people beating the drum who are actually been through the trades to share that experience to people. Right. And even here in Ontario, there's a lot of different groups where we'll have uh, a female trades people, right. Come to talk to uh, young female students in school to that, that relates even more to them. Right. That here, yes, you can go into skilled trades, even though, you know, you're a female because look at this, here's, here's another, here's a woman, here's another woman who's done this, who's done this. And it's more, it's more relatable, right. To a person when you see somebody just like you saying, Hey, they made it, they did it. Why can't I, I do it. So I just wish there was more out there just to, again, I think it comes down to maybe more to us who are, have the experience, you've lived it to kind of beat the drum and, and let it be known out there and spread the information. So I don't know if it's the same out West or uh, if it's kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it, it is. And uh, you know, we, I'm sure you've had them at Durham college, but we've had these, uh, we've had these round table. We, for lack of a better term, we call them speed dating events where you you're, you're at a round table and you have eight or 10 counselors and, and career guide uh, people from different uh, high schools uh, around the lower mainland here. So from Vancouver, Burnaby, New West, Coquitlam, Richmond, North Van, West Van. So there, there's, there's a good uh, splattering of people that, that show up and uh, it lasts for about an hour, an hour and a half. And you only have 10 or 15 minutes and then they, they ring a bell and that table gets up and they move and there's different tables. And, and so it's, it's interesting, but whenever they come to my table, whenever I've been, I've been involved with it, they come to my table and invariably the, the big questions come up. Okay. So how much do you make? How long does it take to get it? Uh, and, and what do you do? And, you know, how do you take 10 minutes to describe what do you do? And cause you know, everyone's experience is different, but in, in, in more cases than not. So out of 10 of those little speed dating rounds, eight, at least maybe sometimes nine, uh, of those little events will always end up with comments of, I never knew any of this. I wish I knew this a year ago. I wish I knew this before we started telling our kids which way to go. Uh, um, and it's, I agree with you. I think we need to have more of those events and, uh, and then actually go to schools and do presentations. And I know that some unions out in Ontario are doing that. And I know that there's a few people in BC that are doing it, but it's not enough, right? It's just not enough. Cause I think, I think, I think you're right that there is something psychologically, I won't say intentionally embedded in the process, but I think there's something psychologically in the process where, you know, when you and I went to trades, uh, went to our trades experience in high school, where, where was it? It was always downstairs in the basement of the school. Right now, part of that's just logistics because, you know, you can't put a two ton machine on the third floor. Yeah. Right. But you know, if you, if you're, if you're going to go and do woodworking, where was it? It was always down in the basement. If you're going to go and do any metal work, it's always down in the basement, but if you're going to go do some physics or chemistry lab, where is that? Usually second, third, fourth floor, right? Where they have nice labs, they have lots of windows, it's nice yep. and light and bright. Right. And, and so even just the physical location of those things, I think communicates a lot. And uh, I've shared this story a few other times too, is that uh, there was a, a trades uh, instructor at a, at a pretty well-known high school here in Vancouver. And he was, he was, um, he was, he was putting on a course that was an elective. So, you know, his course would only run if he had enough students sign up for it. And if he didn't have enough, they would cancel it and use the money somewhere else. And his enrollment was decreasing over the last couple of semesters. So he's simply changed the name of the course. And he, he, he used the word engineering in the new name. 
and the course filled up in like three days. Right. Because people saw, yeah, people saw the word engineering. Cause that's the only thing he changed. He didn't, he didn't advertise any differently. Right. Didn't change any of the course uh, content, the course outline, nothing like that. Just changed the name and boom, it filled up. So there's a perception out there that, you know, trades is a consolation prize to university. And, uh, it's just not the case, right? It's just not the case. No, no. And I was going to say that, uh, even my, one of my friends mentioned me the other day and I kind of thought about this for a second. I'm like, well, you know, the, the, the guidance counselors they're in the school with the, the students trying to help them out or whether it be their, even their teachers or they're going through. Um, and I hate to use it, but they're, they're in the academic world where we're in the academic world too. But anyways, and it's Thursday for another day, but right. And they, and so they've grown up in that way. And even though they're having those, like you're, like you're saying, those little, uh, those little speed dating, they, ha- they don't have that ingrained in them. Right. And I know that, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably doing out West where I think it's really making a difference is where they're doing um, what they call dual credits in the high schools where they'll, you'll do a, a sliver of a program, college program, and you'll have that college professor come out there. And then now the college professor who's teaching it, yes, he's, you know, got all that experience. So the, the, I found when I first started teaching, I did a couple of those. It was great because no, we were just, we were kind of doing like basic stuff for plumbing. Like, so, you know, here we go. This is how you weld that we do like a little square. We, you know, we, sorry, not weld it, uh, solder it together, or we do a little PV, PVC, put it together with the glue and stuff. Right. Nothing fancy, like little projects. Right. But it gave me time to kind of whisper in their ears. I like to say, right. And to kind of give them more information. They, they could ask me stuff too. Right. Cause here's the guy who, know, you know, has done, he's teaching it, but he's done it for a living. Right. And, uh, my God's counselor can give me so much, like, you know, all the kind of, you know, you make this much money. This will take you have to do this apprenticeship. And like you said, they can't remember every little detail. They can't give you the, that heartfelt experience where you can tell them, well, I did this, I did that, but you could do this and that too, but this is my experience. Right. And, uh, I really enjoyed doing this. Like I, t- I tell some of my students now who are just starting out, I say, I tell them there's, you know, you don't have to do this. There's people who do this and I do service or they, like I said before, specialize and stuff. Um, um, and then people sometimes think about plumbing, like, well, that's a dirty job. I've done like a lot of new construction jobs. Yes. We tie into the main, which where the stinky stuff is going down. Right. But it's like, I'm putting in new fixtures and stuff like, you know, I'm getting dirty because the there's dirt on the construction site. Right. That's the dirty I'm getting. Right. But, and just to have that, I think we're, we're like, you're saying more connection where, where we're coming into the schools and having them or even still here, like during calls, we do a lot of things where we bring like, whether it be younger students, like in grade seven, eight, and they come here and they kind of have a look at the taste of the trades. And then they will have like a, like a, like almost like what you're doing, like a workshop. They can go to the plumbing shop for a half an hour and do a little project. And, and the plumbing guy like myself could talk to about, about plumbing and what we do. I mean, we only get, we don't get like a lot of time, but we still get time to, it's coming from me. And then they go over to the, uh, the, uh, the auto mechanic lab. Right. And then may learn how to repair a, a patch of tire or something. Right. But they get to now speak to a teacher who's done it for a living and they can, I think that helps a lot too. Right. Cause you're not, you're getting it from the horse's belt, I guess you could say, right. I'm yeah, sorry. No that's kidding. a lived experience, right? Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And yeah. And I feel the, but there's a, there's a lot to be said about rubbing shoulders with people who are in the trades. Cause I got into the trade late. Like I didn't get in the trade until I was 26 and and I, and I built homes for five years. I was a frame. Oh, I was a framer. I wasn't ticketed or anything. I was doing it, but you know, and I, I, I knew what a plumber did. They showed up at the job site in a big cube van. They smoked a lot <laughs> of pot. They went into a building. They came out at the end of the day, all covered in this yellow stuff that it's just, it just looked disgusting. 
they, and then they'd leave. They'd show up a couple days later, smoke a bunch more pot, go into the building, do a bunch of other stuff and leave. And, and from, you know, from my experience of building homes, that's what a plumber did. And I'm like, I don't want to do that job. And, but you know, I was early twenties, you know, and, uh, then, then later in life going, okay, I need to pick a trade and, uh, going, well, if I, if I make a mistake electrically, I, that, 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 that could, that could do some serious damage. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, steam fitting and pipe fitting here in BC, the only way you could do that is to get out of town and do out of town work and, you know, having a family and stuff like that wasn't, that's not going to be conducive. So I, I kind of fell into plumbing just by default because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure what they do, but I mean, the, what's the worst that can happen to you, right? You get some water on you. Maybe you get a little, uh, maybe you get a little poop on you and yeah. you, know, that, you can wash that off, but at least you're not going to lose an arm or something like that. And I didn't know anything about the plumbing trade. So I go and do the foundation program at BCIT and, and do well and get a job right afterwards. And I, I tell people that, you know, changing out toilets and sinks was probably one, 2% of my whole career. I spent my whole career in commercial and light industrial doing heating systems mostly and, you know, worked in hospitals and schools. And I mean, you know, if people see me, they go, yeah, I wouldn't want you under my sink either. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I just, you know, I just, just physically don't fit. Right. But, yeah. um, yeah. So it, there's just so much to the trade that people don't know and understand and, and they need people like us to, to continue advocating and, and showcasing what we do. And I think there's a lot of pride in being a tradesperson and, and there's no shame in, you know, learning, learning a trade an apprenticeship in four years. Cause that's after that four years, that's really just when the learning begins, you really begin to dig into these these other areas of, of your trade and really begin to hone your craft very much like a teacher, very much like a dentist and a doctor. And quite frankly, you know, the, the, the pay is really good. The flexibility is good. You know, we, we have a ticket that no one can take away from us. And because we're red seal endorsed, we can work all across Canada and, and, you know, we're even, we're even uh, headhunted from, you know, the States and other parts of the world, like Australia, they, they love our, they love our system. And, uh, yeah, that's really awesome. But I was going to say, I was going to jump in there and say, but I, re- I remember once I got licensed, it was like, like you're saying, but the, le- the learning doesn't stop. It's kind of beginning. All of a sudden it's like, okay, Ed, you're going to go with the, the new apprentice here and you're going to go do this. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm expected to know all this. And I thought, I remember, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I don't remember what the job was we had to do. All I remember was I had learned about it in school. I know there was code about it, but I had never actually done it. And now... I remember having to go back to my foreman and kind of say, just kind of regroup a little bit and say, okay, so how do you want me? So how we, how we, how we attacking this? Like, like, you know, kind of get a little head start. I said, I, I said, I know there's code for vent. It was something like with, with venting and stuff. Right? I can't remember. And like, I know there's this, right. I'm like, he goes, yeah, it's funny how that you write the, the exam one day, the next day you're the, you're the expert, you know, it all like you're, it goes, it goes. So that's why I remember him saying to me, he goes, don't worry, Ed, like, you know, you'll be surprised from this point on how much more you learned that, from the, even from the first five years, you'll be like, so amazed, like thinking that almost like the apprenticeship should have been like 10 or whatever, or something longer. Right. Yeah. So well, no amazing. kidding. Right. Amazing. That's why, that's, that's why I really believe the, the, the statement that it takes about 10 years, eight to 10 years to really get to know what you're doing and, and to be quote unquote, the expert, which I don't think anybody can really become an expert in anything. Uh, they just get really good at it. Cause you know, most of us would understand that as you get deeper into it, you realize just, 
how little, you know, compared to what is really out there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's so cool. Um, so what are you, what are you teaching right now? And, and how, and as you get into that, how has COVID affected your apprenticeship programs? Um, uh, well, ever since I think it was July, July 2nd, cause it was after Labor Day or after not Labor Day, after Canada Day, uh, last year, we were able to come back. Like we were off campus from the March, whatever it was until July 2nd. And that was kind of like a, it was, it was kind of, uh, deemed for the government as a pilot project, which was kind of funny. But anyways, they were going to go back to campus, like for lab wise. So it's, it's depending on what the program was, whether it was post-secondary apprenticeship, um, Apprenticeship was kind of, I think they were trying to hold the line that you had to meet all the outcomes where like post-secondary programs, they were like, if you have 80%, we can complete you kind of thing. Um, but but we used to, for the apprenticeship, we still had to go back because some had stopped and started for other reasons. So they carried on. Actually, I back then, I, I picked up a course that had already started. It had gone three weeks and we were finishing the, I was finishing the last five weeks for it. And I was teaching uh, trade calculations. So that was being done still online at the time. And, and those types of courses are still being done online right now or any kind of theory based on so the name of the code. Um, but our practical lab courses are our welding course. That's core, that's part of the uh, post-secondary or the apprenticeship have now continued on um, as well as I think for the apprenticeship they were doing, I think it was uh, trade doc was the other one that we, we, we started off online and we kind of realized it kind of did a little bit of a hands-on with the big blueprints and, and understanding that stuff. So it, I think at first it was alternating. I think it was alternating weeks, like one week in, one week out, uh, kind of like a hybrid, I guess, model online and half one time in, and then it switched to fully online. But um, throughout the time frame, we've kind of changed numbers. Like we've had like you know a limited students in the classroom per se. So like uh, our our like our regular shop lab would normally allow twenty students in it. So at times we were reduced to ten, depending on what stage we were in. Um, so when we started doing that, we had to kind of get brainstorm where we had to. Um, find another space within the building that like we're doing right now and, and set up a, a secondary shop. So we could still continue having the 20 students, but we'd have two teachers and two different locations. So they were spread out, you know, to meet the six feet uh, limit, right? whatnot. Right. So it's been kind of a, it's still going on like that right now. Actually, we have a, a pre-apprenticeship that's actually uh, all in person right now that's going all in person. And uh, as it stands right now, we're still, doing a combination for the fall. So people are going to be all online um, for whatever programming, but most of the trades are what they call a hybrid. So you're, you're doing kind of anything related to your labs in person still, but anything that can be done online is still being online. Um, but I believe there's an announcement coming down for the, from the ministry for the college and university saying that the cap will be lifted, that there'll be unlimited students on campus. And so the, all pretty much all the colleges are kind of pushing for, more some a little bit more students on campus based on the fact that the vaccine the vaccine kind of are, a lot of people are getting it done so there might be a potential that we are like i might my, my right now i'm teaching in the fall sorry the end of august my apprenticeships students online for trade calculation for level one but i could see that changing before we get to the, the end of august it could be all face to face from there on and maybe oh so they'll yes. switch your course from online to face to face yeah, they might be doing that. I'm not too sure yet. There's, uh, they're waiting obviously for the lead from the government that they haven't announced it yet. So, but I know that they've been, you know, kind of behind the scenes preparing because they get, you know, as we all do, we get those whispers that it might be coming down. So trying to pre-plan ahead of time. So you're not trying to, you know, change things on the fly quickly here, but, uh, 
And I think most of the colleges and universities in Ontario have been hoping for a little bit more traffic on campus just to kind of, you know, as there is, because we're, I think we're what they call level, sorry, step three now in Ontario. There's another step to go, but uh, we're pretty much, you know, the stores are open. There's limits in some stores and restaurants, and stuff like that, but there's more people in, in inside buildings now and different, different types of businesses. So I can see us probably transitioning by the fall, which would be good because, uh, um, you know, I like, the last one, I don't know about you, but it's one of my favorite part about the jobs being on campus and just feeling the, that kind of buzz. And, uh, and just even as I walk to and from my classes or whatever, I go catch a coffee or going to the off, main office or going to my office. I love going by the, the student kind of areas and just kind of swinging by and say, Hey, what's up? Right. Like I'm a, a young kind of cool hip guy and just uh, and <laughs> shoot the breeze with him. Right. But also just to come kind of sit there and say, Hey, casually come in and say, you know, how are things kind of going? You, you know, you need a little bit extra help or something, right. That's make it a little bit easier. So I'm hoping for that, that will happen. But I've also told my Dean that uh, I'll be one of the ones that are kind of pushing for like a, maybe a, a future kind of hybrid model where we have one or two courses online out of the entire package, but they, I know that this fall in some programs, I don't, I don't think there are any of the trade related programs, but some are actually running where they do in person as well as the cameras will be on the classroom and there'll be students at home. So they'll be doing like, oh. there'll be 20 students yep. enrolled on from online at home and then 20 students in the classroom. With, doing I guess, a high camera. flex model. Yeah. High flex together, whatever they call it. Yes. So it's, it's, I think they're doing like a trial run with like a, a small percentage of the classes courses offered here at Durham College. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes because uh, it'll be different. I know that that would, that would scare me a little bit because uh, trying to answer questions live in person and then trying to monitor some kind of chat on the side. If someone had a question who was watching it live from home, I know that, that would probably be a little bit challenging to uh, manage. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's a, there's an interesting uh, resource I'll include in the show notes and and I'll send it to you on high flex and how you, how you set it up and how you run it. And there's a couple of videos too, that I watched and yeah, it's an interesting model for sure. I, I imagine it would slow down the pace in the classroom a tiny bit because you have to monitor both spaces at the same time. But I'm, I'm curious to know what, what do your students think about coming back to campus? Are they all, are, they, are the majority looking forward to it or is it split? Well, it's funny cause I just had a conversation with a bunch of them there, me and our teacher as I was wrapping up this morning and, uh, and they were they were saying yeah a lot of us a lot of us in our group would say oh it hasn't it hasn't been a good learning experience because most of it's been online right but then or, or so they wouldn't say the online part this has been it's been not a good experience right and the, I think they're alluding to online but then they a lot of them would love the online because they don't they like that where they can roll out of bed right don't have to drive in <laughs> right so I'm not yeah. I think there's a mixed bag there that they're like I'm like okay well that means you have to drive in so I know a lot of them are liking it because it you know don't have to pay for public transit. Don't have to worry about driving in and cost of gas. Uh, you know, they, you know, they don't have to get a babysitter maybe necessarily or whatever. They can maybe manage a little bit at home with a kid at home if they have a kid. So there's, I think there's definitely a mixed bag, but I've heard a lot of people, um, even though people, uh, people have been saying, Oh, we all want kind of back to normal face to face. I've heard a group out there that kind of say, no, I wouldn't mind some of this online thing going forward because, they've seen the, like, I think just as, as teachers, we've seen some of the benefits that it can provide you. Right. Even myself, that's, I have some of the same benefits, right. I can roll out of bed. Right. I just got to fix my hair before I go on the camera, you know, <laughs> have a, have a shirt on. I could be in my, my, my shorts or whatever. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. 
but I, I, you know, I don't bigger stuff. I've kind of like there's certain things I've liked about it. Um, I definitely missed that. You know, even though I see people, I don't see all my students on the camera. A lot of them don't put the camera on, which sometimes help with the, with the, with the bandwidth and whatnot. But I do miss that where I can see my students and I can try and read their mind as we're talking and stuff, as I'm talking to see how they're doing. But yeah, a lot of, surprisingly enough, there's a lot of students there. That's why I think they're, they're going to colleges and universities are going to have a hard time deciding now, um, see what, what the, what the vibe is out there, because I'm sure there's going to be programs out there that are going to have a, at least a small demand for online entire program. And, but they're going to still have a percentage that want to come face to face. So trying to, trying to manage that, right. I know that, some schools have some programs where they're totally face-to-face. They have some schools that have everything's totally online and there's some that have a few, right? So I think they're going to have a, I think it's going to be a kind of a challenging time to figure out what the students want of tomorrow kind of thing, right? What they want. Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? Because uh, Andrea Niosi, who's been on the podcast a few times. So Andrea, if you're listening, shout out to you and, and all the good work that you're doing. She's been posting on Twitter uh, the student enrollment rates for, I think she's teaching four courses this coming term. And it's interesting because there's there's two courses that are exactly the same that, you know, they have the exact same test book costs. Uh, in fact, I think they're OER uh, zero textbook costs to begin with. So there's there's, there's no difference in the course. And yet her online version of it is, is full and there's a waiting list for it already. Her face to face for it, I think is like at 40% the last time I saw. So, you know, that's kind of telling me that students love this idea of online learning. It's harder. I'll, I'll admit that, that I've heard from my own students that the online learning is harder from a discipline perspective. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. You know, and, but the advantage to online learning, as most of us would know, is that if you record your sessions, then the student has access to it almost at any time and, you know, and all the benefits that go along with that. But, you know, like you, uh, teaching night school for me has been awesome. I, I don't have a commute. I just finish my dinner, come sit down, teach a class, and then I'm done. I don't have to get in my car and drive for, you know, 35, 40 minutes to get home where that, you know, that three hour class is now condensed into an hour and a half online and I have no commute. So it's, uh, it's fantastic. So yeah, for me, I'm in the fall, I'm going back to teaching two night classes and right now they're both face to face and, uh, we'll see how they pan out because, uh, they're, they're two popular courses there, but I'm, there's a whole bunch of instructors who courses that would be full by now they're not they're not even listing as being half full yet so yeah it'd be an I interesting could, turn i was gonna say i can definitely see it especially like in that part-time kind of course where people are working right there are the what they call it some people call it the con ed or the professional uh centers whatever of the schools right where those students are going to be coming evenings or weekends anyways and i think that will be for them i think it'll be an even bigger advantage where you might see more of the even more online interest too right because they're already trying to squeeze it into their life. Right. And trying to better themselves. That, I think that'll be interesting to watch that side of it too. But I don't know. I don't know, but you be, uh, but I'm trying to, and I think it was, uh, I don't know if it's the flip classroom or I always fight between the flip classroom and the, is it by, by Rick? I can't even say it by synchronous. I always, that, <laughs> by, that are, bikerness. bikerness. That's it. Bikerness. Yeah. Jam these words together. Um, because <laughs> I kind of like the, the, the way I've been doing where I, I load up my, my, uh, I, I did put stuff on my, uh, my learning management system before, but very little, right. I wasn't, it wasn't geared to being an online course. I just put resources, whether I had slideshows, slide decks, I just leave them up there so they could look at ahead of time or they want to look at after whatever. 
other resources and stuff like that. And, but now I'm kind of, I've tried, been trying to build a course where, it's, where they could go through the experience and do it all online and almost don't have to come to the, but I still have the live class. And the live, I've tried to change the live class into a, almost like a discussion. Like, so it's like a flip classroom, I guess, in a way, right? I don't know. And, uh, but they can have, they kind of have both experience or they can have one experience or they can have, I don't know. I don't think you can have the live without the, the pre experience, but I don't know if I'm going to, I want to change that now because when I have the classroom and uh, that's why I, I had approached my, to put my Dean and say, I'm not too sure. Well, she said, well, you might be able to do it because you know, it's kind of your class. And, uh, and I said, okay, <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> we have this, we have this in writing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you find out you have more, you have more autonomy than you yeah, realize. Well, right? just this, but then, what else, what else do I have? What else can I do? <laughs> autonomy to do? But because I'm thinking I'm building all the, like I've been building all these. Right. And I've, 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 I've went through a couple of courses, right? So I've kind of did a, like a second time through where I've kind of tweaked it again. Right. And I've built a, a lot of the courses I've done. I've actually built them up because I've, I've done them all now online. The ones I do online, right. Except for the, uh, the in-person classes that like the shops and stuff. And I'm like, I want to continue this, but I think how much great resource it is, but I can see that one day that maybe there will be a camera in the classroom. Like you were talking about before, one of the benefits of recording where it will just be not the student pulling his camera out that you're worried about filming you. There'll just be a camera in there and it can be recorded. Right. And I think, I think a lot of people's minds change when, um, that used to be, I know I used to be like worried. I think I'm no, no, you're not going to record me. It's, it's up to me. Right. I'm not, you're not recording me. And, uh, and my wife would probably be saying you're, cause you're probably worried that you're going to say something like, you know, you might swear or something. I said, no, 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 I'm professional. I don't, I don't do that. Right. But I was, you know, I was just the fear of like being recorded. I guess big brother watching. I don't, I don't describe it was, but, but then I realized when I, when I did this recording, I'm like, Oh yeah. And then people explained to me how beneficial it was. I'm like, okay, maybe this is not a bad thing after all. Right. So, so there's definitely a lot to be learned from this experience. That's for sure. That opened a lot of our eyes up. So, yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's a good segue into a couple of the questions I wanted to ask you. So what, what have you learned about your own teaching practice that since this, during this COVID era? Um, well, I think I, I've probably mentioned a long time before, but I was always, thought I was really empathetic and I think I've become more, even more empathetic. So maybe it wasn't as empathetic as I thought it was. I'm not too sure. Um, because I know that there's a lot of like talk out there about proctoring and all this stuff right out there. But, you know, um, I just was talking to a student about, uh, an external thing that they were doing a test they were doing and how they had to have the camera on. They had, you know, have their eyeballs straight and you know, how nervous, how nerve wracking it was. I had, so it's the first time I actually heard it from somebody who's like lived experience. And I was like, I said, no, you know what? Um, I'm teaching and I'm going to give them a test. It's going to be online. It's going to be in the MLS, whatever. And I'm going to open it. And I thought I'll be more, I'll be more flexible. And maybe this is something I, I think I've learned that I might carry forward is, um, in before I would have a test in a class. So it'd be for three hours. It was a, a test. It was a three hour class. You had a, the whole class to do it. And that was it. And now I put a test up that's open for a whole week. And I don't even have a clock on it for three hours. It's open. It's actually, if they open it, they could actually have a full week to do it. If they really wanted to. And then, I, and I thought, cause I thought about the proctoring and then the lockdown, the, you know, the servers and all that jazz. And I thought, no, because what do we do in the real world? Well, in the real world, we have access to our code book. So they're going to have access to their code book. They're going to have access to the resources online. So they, fair enough. It's online there. It's in the DC connect. You have, it's fair game for you. Um, I even went as far as this may sound even really wild and crazy is that, you know what, in the real world, I sometimes talk to my colleagues 
So why not? So I, you know, I've when I explained, I like, I know a lot of students would probably giggle when they first said, we we're going to do the test online and stuff thinking, yeah, it's going to be open book. And I said, it may not be that easy, but you're going to have all the resources just like real life. I'm going to treat you like real life. It's all there. And, you know, if you have to talk to a colleague, you talk to a colleague and you, you know, because before the inspector comes, you want to make sure you have it right. Right. This is, these are the things we do. Um, the other thing I discovered too, was that, uh, I thought it was like a techie kind of guy, but I've discovered sure a, hell, a lot of technology and, uh, and I think one of the simple things that we're just talking about like videos has been a big thing that I've learned that, Hey, I should, I should do a little bit more of this. I should do a little bit more of this. So if I'm not recording my, if I'm not recording my lecture per se in person, we go face to face, maybe having these little small little five minute videos on a key point on a key uh, mathematical, you know, to help them out. And uh, um, I don't know. I, I've also found, I think that how passionate about, I am about teaching now that I think about it, because I don't know. I, I think I look back and I was laughing because my, 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 my team talking about my Dean again, uh, I had, I don't know. I, I forget what I was doing. I think it was when I was applying for my uh, university there for the spring I was getting her to write a letter, but I think I showed her the stuff I had did all the PD I had did. And I went, I went, cause I keep on my calendar. So I, I have a hard time keeping track of it. If they put it in my calendar, I'll remember it. So I went back and I tracked the kind of from March up until whatever it was a year later. And I was like, Holy smokes, look how much stuff I've actually done. Little PD sessions here, you know, being, doing all these little things. And I thought, Hmm. So, I mean, first of all, I said, it, it can be done. <laughs> you can, you can, you can educate yourself a little bit as you go along every year. Uh, Cause I did this much in a pandemic. Right. And I said, uh, maybe not as much as that, but, and I also, you know, and I kind of realized, okay, you know, I thought I loved teaching, but I, I read that shows me to me that I do really love teaching because I'm willing to put that extra effort into it. Right. So, so I guess I kind of learned that by myself. That's kind of a, a pat on my own back. I guess I'm tooting my own horn there. Sorry. It's <laughs> all right. I, I asked the question. Okay. Okay. I do it once in a while, I guess, but why not? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so here's, here's a, here's a question that uh, requires a little bit of courage because we don't get asked this question very much, but uh, what's, uh, what's one mistake that you learned the most from in the last year and a bit? That's a really tough question. Uh, I think it may be the, maybe on the empathy part too, because of, you sometimes get trapped into the world of like, okay, I'm married with kids and I get trapped in the world thinking that no one has it worse off. Right. Kind of thing. And I think I discovered, and I think that's maybe a kind of mistake I made and I kind of corrected early on, especially with like when I talk about extending deadlines for assessments and having them open different periods of time, because um, I had to come to the realization that, uh, yeah, I know some of my students, even when I was face to face, some of your students would share stuff to you, right? Would share with stuff to you. And some wouldn't, right? Some are just, you know, there and they do their thing and something, you know, they kind of almost lie on the radar. And, uh, but it opened my eyes when I had a lot of people sharing stuff, especially the, uh, the end of, uh, like last year, I guess last year's kind of school year when I had, had students, you know, let me know that they had somebody in hope on the hospital COVID, look, you know, probably on the verge of dying and stuff, right? And, uh, I think, you know, we can't assume that we're all in the same boat. And uh, that's why it's kind of, my, my, my motto's kind of changed where, you know, there's always someone better off than you. There's always someone worse off than you, right? So even if you think you're the greatest, you're not the greatest. There's someone smarter who can replace you, who are doing, you know, much better things, whatever. But there's also a lot of people who are, you know, remember there's people who are not in the, as fortunate as you are, right? And, and that may not be 
and that's nothing on them. It may be the, the, the bad cards that were dealt or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I just try to take a pause and, and try not to be so harsh. Cause I know that sometimes I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, but you're so trying to ride that line of being preparing my, my, my students or my apprentices for the real world where they have to be accountable. But then also remember that sometimes in the real world, um, you know, if something serious happens like a death or someone's seriously ill, I'm hoping that whoever they work for in the real world will have an appreciation and, you know, not fire them or give them an extension on the work that they're doing kind of thing. So I've tried to, that's kind of, I guess, a little bit of a mistake I've kind of made, you know, that I've kind of discovered. So over the last year or so, I guess. Powerful. So Ed, you have two podcasts, you have a YouTube channel and you just uh, signed up to, to devote 20 hours of your life to a, to a different project. That's going to take a couple of years for you to do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I just, uh, Enrolled myself to take on a, uh, I guess it's about two years, right? Yeah, you're right. Two years of uh, uh, doing a master's in arts, uh, sorry, master of arts in learning technology at Royal Rose University. Uh, and first of all, not not to give them a, I'll give them a shout out, not for the, because I want them to be an easy, I mean, give, give me good marks, but shout out on them for uh, being flexible enough to, uh, based on my experience, to let me come in as, I guess, flexible student. And because uh, not all not all institutions uh, will recognize uh, some of the stuff that we've done, so I'll give a shout out to them for doing that. There's other ones that are doing it too. Um, but yeah, I'm going. To, I'm partaking on this. It's going to be a little bit challenging talking about the podcast and stuff. That's why I'm I'm trying to feverishly trying to see if I'm going to do more before the end of the year because um, as we anybody who takes on any education when they're working full time and potentially have a family as well like I do, um, you realize that you have to kind of uh, you know, take some other stuff off your plate to kind of be able to do that. And I know, I know myself that uh, um, between like, like, you know, learning from yourself and some other friends like uh, Chad and, and Sally and, and Lucy and, and I could go on and on that, you know, I realized it's a large take. And I had a friend, my colleague here that was kind of the one who pushed me over the edge. The last conversation I had said, you know, go do it. I'm going to let you know, it's going to be challenging at first, right? It's going to be, don't, don't, like know that you're gonna be a little bit scared at first. It's gonna be a little bit rough waters, but to get through that rough waters, you'll be able to survive. So, but you gotta know that that was you know kind of the advice that every kind of told me was you know be 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 ready to take some stuff off your plate because you're gonna need to because it's gonna this is gonna fill some time right. It's only so many hours as we all know. It's only so many hours in a day. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it because uh, for me it's like a challenge. It's a it's a it's been a goal of mine to. Uh, further education, um, not because I'm not happy with being a red seal plumber, um, just because uh, if you would have talked to me before I became a teacher, professor, way, way, way back when I was 17, I would probably say more education, life, lifelong learner. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now here, here I go, right? And I know I've mentioned before with the podcast that, and I probably mentioned when we were doing the, the Cascadia, uh, the live kind of version of the, of the practice pedagogy. I think I may have mentioned there too, that I've been doing all these other things like podcasts and, and joining it with the people and, and, uh, and try to get my free education, I guess. Right. <laughs> and now I'm going to, now I'm going to fork up some money. Right. Because I've known that the, from the people I've known that have taken it, uh, some of our friends who have taken it, that there's been a, a lot of people find like a real growth to it. So I'm really, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, and, uh, and also I'm just, I'm leaving the door open to any future, uh, if I try to uh, any future employment or steps up the ladders, I guess they would say, I'm not, 
I'm leaving my, I'm leaving that door open and I'm hoping that that could assist to it too. But for me, it's about uh, getting my goal of doing it, but I can do it just for the, it could have been any degree and I would be happy just to complete it. Um, and also the other part of it is cause I, you know, I have kids, so I have a son as well as one 16, the other one's turning uh, 12 and the other one's turning 11. I might, I might have got that wrong last two there for a second. I'm going to do the math quickly, but, uh, but yeah, because they're a little bit older now and they're seeing, you know, I kind of want to see them see their dad complete this and just kind of like a role model for them. So, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped. I've already done all the pre stuff that online that I could do right now, right away. The first week I did everything for learning how to, how the campus works and all the services, all those little kind of pre thing you do. Right. I forget what it's called now, but uh, I keep going online. I keep going online. It's not starting to April looking for new stuff that's up there. Right. That I can do. Right. So, <laughs> so it doesn't start till April and you've already done everything and you're looking for more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I want to do like, I want to start something. I want to like, yeah, yeah. I want to try it. Right. So, uh, cause I know it's going to be hard, like, you know, working full time, obviously and having a family is going to be, I mean, there's a lot of people who've done it. I'm not the first one to do it, obviously, but, so, you know, I'm a kind of guy, I don't know about yourself. I'm a kind of guy that likes to try and keep my desk as clear as I can, at least work-wise. Home-wise, I'm a little bit more messier. So I like to be the, ahead, of the, ahead of the curve. I don't want things last minute. Uh, unlike when I was in grade school, I'd have my science project due on the Monday. I would start on a Sunday night at 8.30. <laughs> I, will be, I will be doing that for this, that's for sure. So. Yeah, you won't get away with that at this level, that's for sure. Oh, no. And uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've, got a, I've got my master's degree from Royal Road, so it's a great institution. Loved my time there. My experience there was great. And uh, yeah, I had a family too, and I was going through it. Four kids, full-time job, the whole deal, right? And I think what you, be, you become a master of two things, really. You become a master of finding those little niche moments where you can get your reading done, <laughs> whether it's on, whether it's in the hockey arena or on the, on the soccer pitch or, you know, you're in between things. You just, you always have a book with you that, or an article that you got to read. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one thing I found out early on was uh, you don't have to read everything. So when they give you this big, long reading list, I, I, I would dive in and try to read everything. And somebody told me, I can't remember who it was uh, early on. They said, no, you don't have to read everything, right? Yeah this, this is all resource for you. You don't, you don't have to throw it all away when you're done. So sift through what you want to read and, and stick to it. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's good advice. So yeah, you'll I, do had well. somebody, I had somebody recently who told me that a uh, mentor of mine here too, at the car, my calls, who's uh, our associate Dean. Uh, he's a background electrician, but he told me, yeah, he goes, that's why I did. He goes, I looked at the readings and I looked at the titles of the readings and I went, whichever ones kind of triggered him first that kind of excite him. Because he goes, I had a tendency to read through those pretty quickly as well, because it kind of, you know, it kind of got to me. Right. So, so sound advice. Thank, that's good though. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't think I can handle a lot of reading. I think I if I had to go, I was expected to do every single reading. I think I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Good. <laughs> awesome. All right, Ed. So as we, uh, as we close up, thanks again for taking the time to be on the show today. I really appreciate you being here. Um, as you leave, uh, one, one question that comes to mind is, is what do you want to learn uh, about your practice in teaching uh, moving forward? What's something that you're really sinking your teeth into outside of the master's degree uh, and some of the stuff that we've already talked about today? Is there anything that's burning for you top of mind that you want to sink your teeth into? Yeah, I want to sink my teeth more into the, uh, the OER end of things. Um, uh, I think I've kind of learned some stuff about it. Like I was funny. I was learning, I remember a while back I learned 
uh, I think it was I had tweeted something out. Oh, I think I have some OER, right? And then I think Chad tweeted back. Chad Flynn there tweeted back. But is it you know? Is it you know? Is it free for all of us to view, to use and stuff? How, how is it licensed? I'm like, oh, is there a license on there? I didn't know that. So I went back and I'm, okay, I checked it. Creative Commons. I'm like, okay. Um, but I like to like to learn more about that. I like to try and figure ways to implement it and maybe learn from some you know the likes of you and him and and try to implement it more into the programs. Uh, because I hate to say it, I was a uh, and one of my colleagues. Uh, was upset with me because I was a big proponent for our post-secondary program to get a textbook put in place and uh, he was against it and uh, so he'd probably be happy to hear me saying this right now uh, <laughs> so maybe he would actually talk to me now that I say it but uh, <laughs> men's yeah, sentences cause, yeah because I just realized and I but I also want to be part of it because I know that I realized that I know you've been doing a lot of work and then another Chad and other people have been doing work adding more resources to that there isn't much there's not a great deal out there especially in the trades but the stockpile is kind of growing. So I would like to learn more about it, be part of some of those and hopefully, you know, have a legacy where we, we kind of built things up a little bit better. So that's one thing I would definitely want to learn about in my, my pedagogy and my practice. So. Well, that, that makes me excited. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our good friend, Brandon Carson, uh, who is yeah. with eCampus Ontario. And I think he's at Durham College uh, for That's a period right. of time. And so uh, he's a he's a good guy to connect with, with regarding OER. And, you know, he's got a great last name, too. So, you know, he's, he's yeah, coming he's, from. Yeah, I, uh, not related, not related. No. <laughs> not related. <laughs> just, but, a, uh, just a great name. Just a great just name. Just a great, great <laughs> last name. But, uh, yeah, so more OER is always a good thing, especially in the trades. Look forward to that. Thanks again, Ed, for, for being on the show and, and appreciate you so much and everything that you're doing. Uh, keep keep moving forward one foot ahead of the time. And uh, I love watching what you put out there. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me on. It was a great pleasure to be on with you. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you found this podcast with Ed informative and funny. Ed sure has a big heart for his students, and I'm really glad that he's in the system teaching and mentoring apprentices as he goes. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to drop us a note on the website, praxispedagogy.com. Be happy to uh, address anything that you want to leave there. If there's any suggestions you have on topics that you'd like to hear on the podcast, again, leave us a note on the website, praxispedagogy.com. Be more than happy to engage with you there as well. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Hope you have a great week. Take care.